Hi, everyone. This is Elise Chenier, Director of the Archives of Lesbian Oral Testimony. Thanks for tuning in. I wanted to let you know that you can find and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. If you like what you hear, consider throwing us some stars. It really helps us get the word out about the archives. And if you like what we're doing and have some loose change, think about becoming a financial backer. We're here to serve the community, and to keep doing that, we're going to need a little help. If you can play that role, please get in touch with me by email at e. C-H-E-N-I-E-R at S-F-U dot C-A. Thanks, everyone. I'm Kelly Hitchcock, and you're listening to the Lesbian Testimony Podcast, a project for the Archives of Lesbian Oral Testimony at allotarchives.org, which is an online, trans-inclusive, open-access archive for oral testimony of same-sex or same-desiring women, including lesbian, queer, and two-spirit people. Each week, we'll talk to a donor from the archives about one of their donations or an oral historian about their recent work. Today I'm here with Lena Bielska, the founder and president of the Herstory Foundation in Poland. And she is a PhD student, author of three books, and is a human rights educator and activist. And we also have Liliana Piskorska, a prolific visual artist who has taken part in over 70 individual and group exhibitions in Poland and is currently getting her PhD in fine arts. So hi guys. <laughs> Oh, hi, hi. It's really nice. (laughs) Can you tell us a bit about the Hersey Foundation and what its aims are? Okay, maybe I'll I'll start. I'm a founder and the president of Hersey Foundation. I founded the foundation four years ago, about. And uh, our main goals, it's the historical education, anti-violence and anti-discrimination education also. And we focus most on the women's rights and diversity. And I think the background of all of these situations is creating situations where people who are not represented well and people who are discriminated in some way are heard and seen. So the history perspective, which is restoring feministic uh, review and restoring history of women, it's part of this, I think. So it's really strong background to have women's power and diversity power as a main goal. Totally. Tell me the part that you're interviewing women and making sort of a log of them, from what I understand. Yeah, mostly we have like two sections in foundation. The first one is historical work, which is archive work, creating some city tours about women's history, about famous and not famous women, diverse women in a very intersectional way. We also publishing books about women's history of women, history of women. And our last book, for example, is about the perspective and the experience of Jewish women from the former ghetto in Lublin. So we try to see in the history of women, also find some differences between women between their experience. Uh, and the second section is anti-discrimination and anti-violence education. We are doing many workshops, especially WENDO workshops. WENDO is a self-defense for women with a whole socialization and patriarchy perspective. So, and also many workshops for teenage girls. Also, when anti-discrimination, we are cooperating with schools. At least we are trying. It's not so easy these days. And yes, we are involved in the feministic movement and initiatives about women. 
Awesome. Yeah. yeah. I'm looking at your project about where you are looking to sort of find the narratives of queer women who mm-hmm. lived between 1945 and 1989 in the period when yeah. Poland was part of the Soviet Union. So what were the obstacles that you have come up against in trying to find these testimonies from the mm-hmm. Soviet Union? I think well, this project is just starting. Currently, we are in a moment when we actually start to look for the people to interview, to talk to. We are trying to start archive work. So this project, we, me and Lena, we've been talking about this project for some time now. And right now, we are in this intense moment of trying to get it together and actually begin. So right now, we are making mostly work, uh, some non-official at this moment work with creating list of contacts and creating basics for making website, which will be also a tool for us to trying to find these people, these women and so on and so on. What can I add more? It's, you know, speaking about obstacles, I think it's not only at the beginning of project because Hamas said truly that it's about two years that uh, me personally, I'm thinking about the project. And what I'd like to say at the very beginning also is that we are a team of three activists, women activists, but we are speaking only two of us now, but we also create this project with Magda from Poland and she's a really experienced activists, lesbian and womanistic activists. So I must say that the obstacles, two years thinking about the project, you know, it's so hard to find testimonies of women, non-heteronormative women from the time of Soviet Union in Poland. That I think that's why we are waiting so long to start because it wasn't so easy to find some point of start. And yeah, as Liliana said, we are looking for some funds. We trying to build a base of names of, of women who could be our potential interviewing person. Or also we are trying to do some archive work. But I think it will be a really long journey, actually, with many obstacles. Mm-hmm. I think the one of the main obstacles that we have, and it's not regarding only women from the Soviet Union, but also to the lesbian and queer women nowadays, even in our age, it's like constant invisibility in mainstream media, in the researchers, in testimonies, because I think it's about patriarchy that the women, especially lesbians, queer women who are double discriminated many times, they are invisible. And the feeling of invisibility makes you that you're keeping down your voice. And your voice, it's not there. So for me, this project, with all obstacles that we have now, and we will have for sure, it's not only about the you know project sections, the website, testimonies, interviews, and so on, but it's about heritage. When, and I, when I'm thinking about this project, I'm thinking also about my personal heritage, and my lesbian friends, because it's about 20 years that the voice of non-heteronormative women, especially women, 
start to be seen and heard and it's really slowly a slow process yeah actually it's something that is extremely visible in Poland nowadays that we are starting to build the discourse and the discourse about queer and LGBT community start to build in 88 before that we had like the period of waiting for that to happen and mm-hmm. this discourse is mostly built about mostly male gay population and uh, now even when there are some of course archives there are some stories about how it was to live they are mostly about almost everything they are about gay perspective and that's something that we want to try to fill out in a way mm-hmm. and what's more just i'm thinking about that it's not possible to even to promote this project as that we are speaking about lesbians from Soviet Union times in Poland because there were no lesbians like you know in fact they were women who had relationship with women but probably they will never call themselves lesbian because lesbian it's uh, not only word describing uh, sexual orientation but it's only kind of uh, commitment to the community It's about coming out, it's about identity. So women who had uh, relationships with other women during that time, they hadn't been in any non-heteronormative identity probably. So even uh, I know some old gay men and I was speaking with them and they never called themselves gay. Like, you know, it was my friend or it was my i don't know, I had some company, my roommate sometimes, but it was never like it was my partner. Mm-hmm. Actually, I was making uh, my own project to, mm-hmm. I think it was two years ago, and in the same city Lena was talking about later. Actually, it's the moment when we met. Mm-hmm. And the project was about trying to create a picture of lesbian community. And I was trying to reach as many people that I was capable of and talk to them. And the final result was a book and exhibition. It was kind of a long project. But I only were able to reach to the women about 30-35 years old maximum so and I tried really hard and I even been talking to some of them which were slightly older but they were too scared to talk to me and from this moment I also was thinking about how it would be to reach the community that it's so like so much in a closet in very different levels on very different levels. Why do you think that those women are afraid specifically is because the Soviet Union didn't allow queer identities or you know speaking about identity during Soviet Union there was only one identity Soviet identity let's say truly <laughs> yes because you know that was the time that everyone had to be the same had the same purpose at least in theory And there were no places or there was no space for diversity for any other identity, let's say, than regular citizen. So also there were some places for gay men 
and uh, but for women that time the only duty was to have job to have husband to have children that was the time so when you for example are gay women lesbian women during that time like having relationship with other women it was like breaking some habits some duties not only for society but also for the country for the state so now what i see also as an educator of course and the coach i see that the identity is kind of process you are growing up to have some identity especially when we are talking about the non-heteronormative identity transgender identity also you know you are in the process to know yourself to come out from the closet especially when you live in the country with, which is really homophobic let's say there is no space for queer identities queer proud mostly our government policy make us not be proud so responding on a question i think that those women there was no place for this to have some process to reach the other identity you know we can speak about feelings we can speak about desire about the love but identity it's like a layer you can reach and you can't reach you can understand and you can't understand Yeah, and that's why I think it's not only a question about fear, but actually about just knowing that you can mm -hmm. be a certain person. And I think that's what Lena was talking about. When you don't really know that there is this possibility to identify as someone, you just don't identify as, as such. Right, now people are more interested in creating a clear identity for your orientation. So sometimes that can be sort of constricting, but also it looks like it can be liberating if it's in the sense of, you know, trying to fight back against a very heteronormative culture. What's sort of the temperature in Poland right now in terms of LGBTQ <laughs> voices? Like, what's, how's it Mm, you know, I'm a 30 years old and I think in kind of movement or community for about 15 years. So till now, there was no such hard situation in the state. It's the worst situation, political situation that I ever remember. And I think it's getting worse actually because... It's about education. I remember the times, two years ago, there were many classes about discrimination, about tolerance, about diversity. Now, we are in the moment that many things are changing, like education is changing, there is no place for quality educators in schools, there is no place for diversity. And even, you know, when you see the mainstream media, it's full of hate speech. Seriously, it's like the NGOs. I think we are collapsing in some way, like a democratic country. Mm. And I would like to have a really big hope that it's only two years left to the other elections, but everything is going towards that they will win again. Mm -hmm. It's kind of paralyzing. Do you think this started with a conservative government? It was two years ago when this new conservative, really conservative government rose to power. 
it was kind of this breaking moment. And the um, government that was before, it wasn't leftist at all, but at least it was silent in some matters. And right now, uh, or passive in some matters, and right now this government is active in hate speech and it's active in the homophobia and in fighting against women's rights, LGBT mm-hmm. rights, and so on. So that's happened. This now when you will hear the politicians in television, in official meetings that are really saying that it's okay not to think, to tell hate speech in some official situations to the public. Now the public is saying it back, it's thinking that it's okay to say that. So I think that's something that it's really changed in those two years, like this feeling allowed to just say things out loud that before they were just silent about. Yeah, because we must uh, agree that Poland was always a conservative country. And even after 1988-89, actually, when democracy has started in Poland, uh, in some point uh, also extremists from Catholic Church uh, started to be in charge, not officially of course, but the right-wing and the conservative, really extremists, let's say, are really in some point connected to the government, to the political stage. But it was moments that we've had some better times, let's say, more liberal and more centric, maybe central liberal government. And it was place for every good change also. But yeah, something broke down two years ago and we moved to the really hard times and really, really confusing times, you know, that we are still in European Union, we are still a democratic country, but in some point, everything is collapsing. Yeah, and I, you know, obviously, the times here in the US are very similar with Trump as well. (laughs) Oh, yeah. You know, sort of a rollback of a lot of civil liberties that we've achieved. But, you know, I think that's what makes your guys' work so much more important. And from that, can you tell us more about the workshops and education that you guys are doing with the foundation? Yeah, because in project we are uh, planning to do archive work, interviews, and finish it with some, with building the virtual archive on the website and gather many testimonies from lesbians from different generations. But speaking about workshops from foundation, we have, I think, three strong line of workshops. The strongest is Wendo workshops. Actually, you could hear about Wendo because Wendo is from, uh, is really popular in Canada. Actually, it's born in Canada in 70s. It's the feministic style of self-defense, including also empowering aspect, including also mental defense, keeping the boundaries, taking out the power that women have. So it's not about kind of martial arts, but it's mostly about the environmental process of feeling self-controlled 
and, and strong as a woman in the conservative society in, in the world, which is really strong in patriarchy. So, but Wendo is for adult women, but also from the teenage girls and the little girls from seven years old. So I'm a Wendo trainer and I work with women and girls in every age. Also, we trying to implement anti-discrimination workshops for adult people, for educators, for teachers, for teenage boys and girls. And also I'm trying to implement as much as I can consent workshops. It's not a very popular perspective in Poland. We have consent workshops for about five years, maybe in Poland. And it's about making boundaries and having good connections between people in intimacy. I mean, uh, the sexual consent, but also it's about fighting against sexual violence and crossing boundaries, especially women boundaries, and about caring about boundaries other people, not only your, like, a romantic partner or a sexual partner but about like everyday boundaries that's really cool yeah. i'm just really excited to hear that that kind of stuff is happening especially when that seems like the most everyday kind of stuff that women have to deal with where it's like setting boundaries in your friendships setting boundaries at work setting boundaries with relationships and sort of embodying mm. advocating for yourself i think advocating for yourself is such a huge foundation to being a woman alive today. I'm happy you guys are really doing that work. Yeah, that's true. That's true. What more can I say? It's a lot of work to do. You know, it's uh, it's a work for next generations. It's, it's in some point. Yes, I think we are in a really, really hard, but also interesting moment in Poland now. And I truly believe that the biggest riot is raising from the hard situation, not from the, you know, good liberal perspective, but from the kind of violent times also. Right. Well, I want to give you guys as much publicity as possible. And I also know <laughs> that you guys need money to help fund your project because you're in a regime that isn't giving money towards those causes, LGBT yeah. causes of testimony. So... Everyone, please go to www.fundacjaherstory.org, and that's going to be able to help them create these testimonies and these queer realities that are so needed to be heard. Yes. I also encourage everyone who's listening to contact with us via comments or via you, Kali, maybe. And yes, because I think it's not only about the money, but it's also about the supporting connections with other foundations, taking the subjects, these topics, you know, to exchange the experience. Because I think sisterhood is exchanging experiences mostly. I definitely agree with you. That's all we have time for today, but let me know if you guys have anything else you want to talk about before we go. Actually, we are at this moment of actually starting the project, so I'm just really interested what we'll be, have to talk about, what stories we will have to share with you in a year, in half a year. Mm -hmm. So I'm really looking forward to the next steps of the project. Yeah, they're going to yeah, be really yeah. interesting. Also, really, I'm inviting people who can have stake in this 
to contact us to exchange some good practices or maybe you guys have some Polish people you know who can know someone you know like everything it's okay everything it's about heritage and testimony so please feel free to contact us mm. definitely okay we'll definitely check out those testimonies and if you want to help with the project they're very open to yeah. contributions and also check out the allotarchives.org in conjunction with your interest in queer testimonies we're all very interested in making this a huge historical project great awesome well thank you guys for joining us today thank you thank you for the talk i thank you that you're doing such podcasts it's really amazing seriously it's really important job thank you so much yeah i'm i'm very happy yeah. with it great great good job <laughs> well thanks you guys i'll see you next time so for this week we have our archivist megan wally giving us the update from the archives hello megan hi so here at the archives, we're gearing up for a pretty busy spring. This weekend on February 24th at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, we're putting on a Facebook Live oral testimony webinar, which will teach viewers how to conduct and upload their own interviews. So you can tune in through our Facebook page. But what this will hopefully mean is that we'll be receiving some new interviews to process in coming months as part of our Bridging the Gap initiative, which asks members of the public to upload their own interviews to our website. And speaking of our website, allotarchives.org has recently received a bit of a makeover from our web developers at Left Right Minds. The overall appearance of the website has gotten much cleaner. We have a slideshow on our homepage advertising upcoming events and podcast episodes, and it's much easier to browse our collections and find the interviews that you're interested in. Another thing that we tackled in the redesign was finding a way to make collection access a little bit clearer. So we have two kinds of collections, and those are open access and protected or semi-protected. The open access collections are ones that anyone can see when they visit the website, and there are no restrictions placed on their use and research or for general listening. Protected and semi-protected collections, on the other hand, are those that contain interviews that are not open to the public, usually due to stipulations of the interview subject. So well-protected interviews were never actually accessible to the public. The collections on our website appeared alongside open access collections. So to make things a little bit clearer, protected and semi-protected interviews are now stored under their own tab just so that website users don't go to listen to an interview just to find out they aren't allowed to access it. However, those who are interested in viewing or listening to these interviews can gain access by contacting me at mwally at sfu.ca. So that's M-W-A-L-L-E-Y at sfu.ca. And then reading through and filling out a little bit of paperwork that I'll send you and creating a researcher account on our website. Of course, there are restrictions to what you're allowed to do with those materials, especially in terms of publishing information if you're accessing them for academic or research purposes. But there's quite a bit of interesting material hidden in our protected and semi-protected collections. So absolutely contact me if you have any interest in accessing them. Otherwise, be sure to check out our website in all its redesigned glory at allotarchives.org. Awesome. And so the webinar is coming out this weekend. It is. Very excited. That's going to be really fun. Make sure to tune into that because it's a very exciting treat. 
what can people expect from the webinar? So the webinar will mostly involve Elise, our director. She'll be interviewing a volunteer and kind of going through the steps of how to do an interview, giving some tips, and then I'll talk a little bit about how to upload those to our website and dealing with all the consent forms and everything. So it should be a pretty handy webinar, both for people who are interested in uploading interviews to our website, and also just to people who might be wanting to do oral history research and don't really know where to start. So yeah, I think it should be really good. Awesome. Well, thanks, you guys, and tune in next time. Funding for this project is provided by the Social Sciences and Humanities Research Council of Canada, a federal research funding agency that promotes and supports post-secondary-based research and research training in the humanities and social sciences. 